Boba Thug. Call it how it is. Hendrix. I promise you, swear, swear. I'm it. Yo. Hello everyone and welcome back to the two red gringos. It's uh season seven. Of the two red gringos, which is kind of wild. Um, but I'm your host, Phil Baki, and I'm joined as always by Pat Staley. Pat, seven seasons, man, and still it's trucking. It's been a wild ride. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I mean, going going all the way back to uh, I think our first episode was after like a 3 1 loss to West Ham, so um. <laughs> I'm glad you quite remember that because <laughs> I, I, you know, I pulled that memory out of my brain and threw it away. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's plenty of moments, I guess, in our in our shared section of our Liverpool fandom that are worth forgetting, but plenty more to remember in recent memory. So we've replaced uh, plenty of bad memories, I guess, with good ones, um, and we'll be. Uh, I think. I think we should actually probably start by reminiscing because we didn't really <laughs> talk about the end of last season. But um, but before we get into all that's going on, we're going to talk about, yeah, we'll talk about being champions. We'll talk about some of the off-season transfer stuff, and we'll talk about, uh, well, what we always talk about, the the social media and, and how it's going. Um no. Not well. Yeah, <laughs> not, not great, Bob. Um, but yeah, the uh, we start how we always start. Pick your poison. And Pat, I see it's a nice looking beer that you got it, there. Right? Yeah, it's not. I, I do have a Heineken in the fridge that you know, <laughs> I say that for special guest appearances. But mm-hmm. uh, no, I actually I got a couple different ones. I went in honor of you know our german leader that sounded <laughs> a little too a little too fascist in honor of i've got the uh the erdinger nice well so i got a couple of those and whenever they run out you know i like to keep things local i got la brew ipa or as they call it here ipa the ipa on Not deck to be confused with iba which is a great mezcal <laughs> well, it's good that you're not sipping mezcal probably for this one. So we can keep our heads on straight for, uh, for most of the recording at least. Um, but the, uh, no, that's a couple of good choices. I, I think I actually saw a, is there a clop edition of Erdinger? Like in Europe, I think, but I think there's a like clop, uh, like bottle of Erdinger oh. with like his image. I'll have to look all I, anytime I Google Klopp Erdinger, all that comes up is that goofy photo of him. Like, <laughs> whoever that dentist, whoever the dentist is in Merseyside, that's been doing all this work is just, you know, yeah. one free ad after the other. Cleaning but up. I think Carlsberg had, had a champion reds, but yeah, they already had a red one, but it, it was a different flavor. So I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, we'll be they, on the look out they did the some kind of red, ale i feel like yeah i'm not if i'm if i'm carlsberg i'm just 
just stick to what you know. Like, I'm not looking for anything outside of the just traditional, like, it's not great, but I know what I'm getting. Oh, yeah. So you're talking about the beer. I was thinking cans. Like, yeah, keep the beer, keep the beer, you know, probably is a good way to describe it. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really go beyond that. Um, (laughs) But give me a limited edition can. You know, my brother buys like the the Echo that says, you know, champions on it for Liverpool. So, yeah, uh, I'm a sucker for all that marketing crap, too. So I'll be on the hunt (laughs) for the for the Klopp edition. Well, um, you know, I've got to keep it. I've got to keep it local. Hmm. Um, And my new local is now Toledo, Ohio. So for those who don't know, I relocated <laughs> over the summer. Um, pretty big move um, from El Paso to Toledo. Um, but what I will say about Ohio, I'm still warming to the whole idea. Never lived in Ohio. I know we have some listeners, I think, who live in Ohio. Some people we interact with regularly on Twitter uh, from Ohio originally. But um, I'm still warming to it. It's still... Um, you know, it's, it takes a lot, it's a lot of indoctrination as an Illinoisan before you can, can kind of like see the, the positives of other Midwestern states. Yeah. Like as an Indianan, I'm sure you went through this. It's different now because like, I feel like Ohio, maybe Wisconsin specifically are like drifting towards this you know, that Florida bracket of states. And I don't really know what happened because it was always just these, you know, non-offensive, you know, kind of maybe moderate, could go red, could go blue. Um, so, yeah, I, I, no, no real grudges. I mean, I went, I went to college not too far from Ohio. Right. Um, but it always just kind of, they were like the Milwaukee Bucks or the Brewers. They just always kind of existed. You never worried about them. And then, you know, they got a little... I don't know. They got a little sass to them. And, and, now, and now, now, you have to, now you have to worry <laughs> a little <about> offensive. <laughs> um, but the one thing I will say about, about Ohio and even Southern Michigan, which were, you know, Toledo's very Northwest corner of Ohio. So um, the craft beer game is pretty strong. Um, yeah. I gotta say. So um, we, we ventured out. There's a, there's a brewery right here. Um, in uh in toledo called patron saint brewery um and uh i am enjoying a saint helena it's a session ipa keeping it nice and chill um for this session um but it's a it's like a it's like a you know 4.8 percent just keeping it nice and nice and easy breezy beautiful you know so uh yeah um, but no, it's a really cool brewery, very Austin-y in a lot of ways where it's set up in like an industrial area where like the brewery definitely costs like no money to buy the space because a construction company was probably like, yeah, we don't use that warehouse or whatever. So you can have it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, they got a nice little back patio area or whatever. It's just a cool place to sit and chill and have a beer and some, uh, some pretty decent tacos from the, uh, from the truck outside as well. So it was, uh, you're just just trying to agitate me now. (laughs) Ohio tacos. Yeah. (laughs) That's Um, the tough, that's the tough part about coming back to the U S to travel after being in Mexico. So you go from, 
was Wednesday. So we go to our taco guys to get two for one, you know, Bogo Pastor. Oh man. And you leave there with like 30 tacos and you spent like 50 cents. So then I show up to the U S and it's like, Hey, would you like some sirloin, three sirloin tacos for $24? (laughs) Mike, no, I'm good. An $8 taco. That (laughs) seems insane. But, um, so one of the things obviously in our in our short off season and even during the uh the the stoppage um for for quarantine and the stoppage of the Premier League and and everything in between you and I have been have been enjoying quite a bit of Call of Duty Warzone. Hmm. And I just want to get your the moment that stands out to you from just our our loads of of exploits on uh on call of duty warzone because i mean let's face it pretty pretty solid squad so, some solid dubs some, too. some I mean, good it, some good dubs in there but what I, was your favorite moment that sticks out to you from quarantine of warzone i i love picturing it shout out to wait what's your other twitter handle at bacchiavelli bacchiavelli just at yeah. Bacchiavelli. <laughs> well, that's my main one. Yeah, I guess okay. I post the videos over on Bacchiavelli Gaming. The the videos that st- stick out a little bit. When, well, we've got Kyle Rawson involved with his like Coke can silencer pistol moment where he yeah. dropped like four dudes. <laughs> really though, nothing warms my heart like seeing seeing you do the Lord's work with with a heavy sniper rifle like that. <laughs> I'll be sitting there for like 20 minutes just re-watching the same clip over and over again. <laughs> um, I, I will say, probably, no offense to the work that we've done mm-hmm. together when we drop in, probably the most satisfying dub was the other night, uh, my brother Dan and I, um, you know, wait, what's his ad again? DJ Staley? <laughs> at DJ Staley. Yeah. In the air, yeah, at the, um, <laughs> in the, duo. In the air tonight. In the air tonight. <laughs> Duo, duo dub the other night where we just a lot of heart, a lot of heart involved, a lot of buybacks. I think I died about 10 times somehow. <laughs> buy me back. But uh, no, the, the war zone dubs, uh, I appreciate. I appreciate yeah. they, they hit different. They, they, they really do. The uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed definitely those uh, some of the sniper, some of the sniper work, um, something, something a little satisfying about it. But I think. I think my favorite win of um, of the whole time, because there's been a few times where we've won. We've had some wins where we just like slayed out, killed a bunch oh, yeah. of people like the one. Um, was it a trios dub of you, me and uh, my brother in law, Brad, um, yeah. where I think it was a trios dub where we um, we had between us, I think, like 24 kills or something like that. So, oh yeah, we were all pushing double digits. Yeah, we were kind of going, kind of going crazy. Um, but the the one that really stands out to me was not that long ago, a couple weeks or a few weeks ago, I guess now. But um, it was a, a quad dub. You, me, Brad, and uh, our other friend Andrew. Uh, oh yeah, where we had no business winning the game, <laughs> none at all, and uh, I killed like six out of the last seven people or something like that. And we ended up or five out of the last six or something like that. And we ended up winning. Um, that for me was, 
where we kind of pulled it out of the fire. Like we oh. had no business winning that game and, uh, and we won it anyways. So, um, yeah, I think that I one think stands out to me. You like, we were going into the final circles with maybe like one kill, two kills. between yeah. all of us. <laughs> Then, then all of us died. I think you bolted. You're like, I'm better off without these guys. Like rattled <laughs> I, off. I did not bolt. <laughs> <laughs> that, it's okay. It's okay. To it's bolt. a misrepresentation. It's okay to bolt. <laughs> No, no, but you I, always go back when necessary, but yeah, yeah, no, no right, no right to that. Day. Yeah. I went, I went kind of banana sandwich, but, um, but yeah, so it was, uh, it, we had some fun in the war zone, but we're getting back. I mean, we end last season, Liverpool <laughs> champions of England, just uh, sum up for me what, what that means and how it feels. I think we talked maybe before during the run for 13, 14 or after it um, about just, I don't know, like the level of guilt was gone. Cause initially it's like at both as Cubs fans, like we related often to like the stretch that we went through and then 2016 for as Cubs fans is unlike anything you've ever felt. So even for us, like we we've put in some long, long years right like even the 10 to 12 years even what even more like 15 or more for you that you've Mm -hmm. been following yeah like those have not been easy (laughs) easy years (laughs) right so for the 30 though beyond that and then even you know just all of those supporters that you know that we get between the local and 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 LFC Twitter a lot but you know it's different being there and being part of it growing up around it sure so you, you kind of have that feeling almost like, you know, when, when the Cubs won the world series, it's like, I'm not just excited for myself, but also for my, you know, for my father to see that. And right. and you think, and, and you kind of have this bizarro feeling for other Liverpool fans as well. It's like, you know, it's this moment that even as recent, like <laughs> even as Klopp joined, like it, it was not this smooth trajectory upwards. Right. So we, we've been growing and building towards it and, you know, the champions league before it, the league is always what we had talked about is kind of prioritizing. So it's just, and it's surreal though, for multiple reasons, like it's surreal because of, you know, how it feels as a fan, like going from just this, you know, (laughs) from mid table (laughs) struggling and fighting for the top four to being the best team in the world over the course of two close to three years now. So, right. But it's also, mired in kind of the you know everything that's going on in the world and you know not being able to see the the celebration and the parade and all that too but it certainly doesn't take away from the fact of just you know how sweet and awesome it is to you know get the one that has eluded us longer yeah i think something you said in there is is, you know and and your allusion to the to the cubs world series win is is so apt because i think it's something that specifically for Liverpool too, it, it is so tied to the culture of the city itself. And it's so like ingrained in what makes Liverpool the city, like what it is, um, that the win feels more momentous, you know, than just for the club, even because the club is, is huge and should be competing for these type of titles and, 
and that's you know i i think you see from the the managerial staff and the uh the players like you see that um that approach where it's like that we're just taking care of business like we're just doing our jobs type thing um but you can tell that it just it has the i mean the tagline was cliche i guess this past you know this means more type thing but it it has that feel where when the win actually did come and and that realization i think i think back not even to you know i'm not thinking about like pulisic's goal against city but as like the title winning moment or whatever but that moment against united where sala scored and like that realization kind of that wave of oh my god like this is happening um kind of washed over not just Anfield, but an entire worldwide fan base. Um, and that's such a, just, you know, it, it had such a kind of an impact, I think for that reason that it wasn't, um, it was like this whole global outpouring for this city that a lot of us, you know, like I just had the privilege to be able to visit, but like, you know, a lot of us will never have that same connection to, but we felt that like, that ingrained and kind of like felt the, the burden being lifted from, from those, uh, those supporters who have been around the the past 30 years. And, um, so yeah, it was just, I mean, it's absolutely incredible. And I think the way in which Liverpool did it and the dominant way in which they did it was kind of just unbelievable. And, and we may never see anything like that ever again. Um, in terms of yeah. the level of dominance from a team with so much competition, <laughs> you know, for that spot. Well, between the two clubs, right? And I, it's now obviously we, we've got a bit of bias, but the difference in, you know, I, I think United supporters have a rightful claim to this, you know, this expectation of like, dominance trophies championships right it was you know timing was perfect but they kind of earned it with that period of sustained dominance just as liverpool had previous to that and other teams before but now we have this like you know the new the new rich with chelsea and city where you see this just expectation related to transfers spending but also like and nobody embodies it more than city fans obviously because their trophy hall is ridiculous but just this nonchalant way to approach like what winning means right like winning is a a norm or an expectation just saps <laughs> like passion out of it right where you've got this club that you know is and we can get into finances and all that but this club that is is taking uh, let's just call it it's a better approach that and with a more like with a longer history with more passionate fan base so it does mean more to them because it's just it's steeped in history and it's it's just a much more authentic kind of fan base to scale, whereas City just seemed to exist on Twitter and it's oh yeah, we racked up a league cup, an FA Cup, wasted season because we didn't win a league. But yeah, you know, just it, it is a historic run between two very different clubs that I don't know, are, are doing something we haven't seen before. The the champion, the champion moniker, the 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 end of the coronavirus interrupted season, all of these things like <laughs> took place. Uh, the trophy lift, um, all of that in kind of a 
new normal kind of bizarro sort of uh sort of fashion with you know no fans in attendance and all that but none of it has compared uh to the silly season uh that is taking place right now um transfer season always is crazy but this one in particular is just wild um and we'll get into that in a little bit but first i think i owe you an apology Pause for a moment. One, because I want to savor this. <laughs> but two, let's take just into consideration for a moment, like leading up to like our championship run, the jokes about, oh, there's an asteroid going to fall overhead. Oh, we're going to go to World War III and it's all going to be ending. Like we were on the cusp. Like Fr- <laughs> France <laughs> like stopped there. Like, we were at, like somehow a global catastrophic event occurred Mm -hmm. that literally almost prevented Liverpool from being champions, which I don't know if it's, see, even my dogs get upset. I don't know if it's (laughs) irony. I don't know what it is, but I'm still blown away by the fact that, you know, football Twitter almost won, you know, this global catastrophic meltdown almost presented or almost prevented a Liverpool championship. So I, I'm still kind of blown away by that. Fact too. <laughs> it would have been, I mean, if we're being in this case, it would have been, I guess, Boris Johnson's fault that the league didn't continue. Um, but luckily we, we didn't face that, but that was, I mean, it was a possibility for, for a period of time. Certainly it was, it was there. There's a twinge of uncertainty, but yeah, yeah. Had that happened, yeah, Liverpool would have declared its own independence. So, yeah, <laughs> the Liverpool country. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shout out to, to Saka. Shout out to Mamadou, wherever you are. Um, <laughs> is he still under contract at Palace? I don't know. I mean, he's got to be. Right, got to be. I did not. I did not draft him in fantasy Premier League. But <laughs> have, have you been? Probably. I still draft <laughs> I still draft Benteke last round. <laughs> Benteke. Yeah. Don't don't judge. Don't judge. But no, what you were saying, I will say you've got you've got a glow to you today. You look you look phenomenal. You well, look phenomenal. Well, I appreciate that. Um the reason that Pat is complimenting me and the reason I owe him an apology is because I'm currently wearing the Nike, uh, <laughs> the Nike home kit. No, I didn't have it queued up, right? I'll have to cut that out, whatever. But I do have the new Nike home kit. I went, I went full out. I didn't get the stadium version. I got the, I got the vapor knit or whatever. Oh, sh- and it's, it's fire. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can dub dub in Virgil too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's it is like I I wasn't sure um when the I mock-ups know. when the mock-ups came out we saw I mean <laughs> uh no, I like when the first leak came out uh, the only issue I had, I was like, what is going on with the collar in the back? Like, yeah. cause it's, it's folded over in like 
how it is in the front, it's also in the back. Struck me as a little strange. Yeah. And, uh, but I always thought it looked okay, but nothing special necessarily. Um, but, uh, when I saw it on the players started to change my mind and that's happened with quite a few kits, I think of Liverpool's where the mock-ups come out. You're like, I don't know. And then you see it on the players and you're like, all right, I can get by this one. This one though, when it, when it shows up, it's just, it's got, it's got like a, I don't know if it's just, I'm an, if I'm just like into name brands, like, is it a Nike thing? But it just felt something. It felt different. It hit different than a new balance kit. I don't know what it was. It just hit different. I, I mean, just like with the Jurgen Klopp limited edition, like Erdinger bottles, like I'm a sucker, I'm a sucker, <laughs> you know, sucker for capitalism and all that stuff. So <laughs> all of the Call of Duty music just started playing. In the back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I need a second. I got to go. Through. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Dubs never rest. <laughs> All right. I thought maybe uh, maybe a neighbor was queuing up to uh, to drop in. <laughs> like, hey, you dropping? <laughs> um, what were you saying? No, the I mean the kit itself, um, especially especially when you have it in your hands or are wearing it, it's just it's it's a quality it's a quality item. Yeah, I've been I I believe the past two years I've only bought bootleg. I think the last legit kit I got was what the seventeen eighteen beauty that New Balance rolled out. Oh, the home, the yeah, yeah, with the wide white collar and the Ooh. oh yeah, no Ooh. that that to me was one of the few like New Balance even Warrior put out some decent kits right, yeah. but that to me was like it just feels like a level above all sure. of the other kits, um, but like a classic. Like one you'll remember down the line. Yeah. Like, like it, it, sort of, I don't know if iconics, right. Probably classic, but it also just had, it just felt different. Like I sure. put it on. That's what I was asking about, like the fit and all that stuff too. But mm-hmm. it, it is always unnerving with a kit reveal because the first image that they release of kits, like you said, like the stock, weird stock photo or whatever, when they roll it out for the first time, yeah, it's almost like when you're in line at target, and that that camera comes on when you're in the self checkout. The camera comes on. You're like, oh my! And you're like, do I really look like that? And then you know they roll out the second or third version. It's like, okay, a decent photo. And then the final version with Nike is like, you know, the iPhone quality, like pro selfie view. Right. So, but that's how it looked on screen too. So it was like in person. It's got that, and then yeah. you know everybody seems to be pretty thrilled with it when I see the pictures on Twitter. So, um, but no, the, the kit looks great. I'm feeling a little bit of redemption with my soulless push for, uh, you know, corporate <laughs> sellout, <laughs> but who I, I'm definitely going to get, I'm definitely going to get the kit this year, uh, about 99.9% sure that I'm going to get verge on it. Yeah. Who you, uh, I know the answer. <sighs> Well, this is going to, I was going to use this as, (laughs) 
a conversation uh, well, to yeah. start our next uh, to start our next segment. Um, but yeah, so I was having a crisis myself about who to get on the back. Yeah, um, and you've got, a good, you've got a good track record. I have a, a good, great a track, track record, record, but I also yeah. I also hedge my bets, hundred percent. I think the only person that I kind of went out on a limb for was Bobby. Because yeah. I've got a Bobby 11 white away, New Balance, whatever that was, 15, 16. Mm. Or was that 16, 17? 16, 17. The white, the all, all whites um, with the red accents, nice and clean, whatever. The home that year was terrible. So I got the, they had, they also had the black one with the three red, like, with the red stripes on the underneath and it was like black with gray letters that Mane scored at the Emirates, that whole, that one. But anyways, so the only person I've gone on a limb for was Bobby because everybody else I, I'd make, I get them right in the middle of their contract, like get them nice and early, but after they've proven themselves, you know, (laughs) I I don't go out on many limbs. So, uh, this year, I was torn because I I want a Trent kit, but yeah. I didn't but. want to jump on a Trent kit if he if he's potential. There was the the rumors were floating about him changing numbers potentially, and like now I think it's too late. I don't think it's going to happen. So maybe I was just wrong. Should have gone with the sixty six Alexander Arnold. But I feel Nike year two. Yeah. Year two for Nike, number two for Trent. It's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. Uh, but yeah, so I went a different way. And this was, uh, I, I gotta say, this was before a lot of rumors picked up steam, but I went with Genie, number five, because one, I think he's earned it. You definitely. I think he's earned it. But I was also under the impression at that point that if he was gonna leave, it was gonna be on a free next summer. Yeah. And I thought I felt pretty comfortable in like, well, at least we have this season and it'll be something to remember him by if he leaves on a free next summer. Yeah. Or best case he resigns and we're not even talking about it. Yeah. Well, things have picked up pace since then. (laughs) And it's looking like genie is probably not going to be around the club that much longer. Um, and I think this is the first time, the first real time that I've been bit by the, by the kit, um, the kit curse that was previously inherited by you. Yeah. Sterling. I even, I feel a little bit responsible for the declining health of Daniel Sturridge with that pick too. Um, <laughs> I have I a Sturge, about, I have a Sturridge jersey too. On, in, even, in all, in all honesty, even I got what was it the seventeen eighteen Mane with with his what number was it nineteen nineteen that Mane was yeah with number nineteen on it too. So yeah. even my favorite. I mean, obviously the thirteen fourteen Gerard. You know, yeah that that's that's a beauty. That's a classic. <laughs> but I will say that even I, I've got hope now. The way that Twitter is trending with the genie scenario, I I do have, you know, 
lovely cushion header from Mel Reddy for the uh, the recent news, maybe not news, but like tweet today. Right. It didn't even come from her. It came from all those other like bizarro retweeters that don't retweet. But anyway, even <laughs> I've got hope, but even if Jeannie, you know, bless his heart does decide to leave, I think there's no shame and no shame in that Jeannie kid. So as we talked about Jeannie potentially leaving the club for Barcelona, Ronald, ever since Ronald Koeman was announced, announced as the new manager of Barcelona, the rumors have intensified um, Jeannie, obviously playing well for him for the Dutch, uh, Dutch national team. Um, but Jeannie as a player, he's probably, I would say for all of the talk that no one talks about him, I would say he's one of the most discussed players in Liverpool Twitter. Oh yeah. And maybe football Twitter for that, because every 16 year old with a Twitter account is like, nobody talks about Wijnaldum and it's a way to seem like tuned in to the game. Like, Oh, I understand football. I appreciate Jeannie Wijnaldum. Um, but Jeannie for all of the discussion and for all of the people who under, say he's underrated or say he's no, he's he's actually just not that good or whatever. There's all these different takes. Who is Jeannie Wijnaldum to Liverpool and what will it mean if he leaves? Well, we won't get into like, well, we probably will like stats or, you know, sure. opinion. But what, what is it just behind Firmino? right in the past three years in terms of minutes played, right? So he's, he's a mainstay in a midfield. And this is the ultimate challenge. It's not about Genie. It's about the way that Klopp sets up a midfield or, or, or a team in general that creates through fullbacks, right. And through a front three Mm -hmm. and a midfield that's designed to control the game and protect. So if you think about what Genie does so well, what I can't remember offhand, but the stats that he excels is like, you know, ball retention and ball progression, right? Things that don't really end up on any other sort of stat sheet, right? Goals, assists, chances created, clear cut chances through balls, cross anything like that. He's just not going to pick those up. He's not even going to always necessarily rack up like tackles, interceptions, pieces like that. But what it does, what he does do as well as anybody else in Europe, which is why, you know, received Ballon d'Or votes and was nominated yeah. is that he just controls, he is controlled and dictated play and a team that has been the best in the world along with city for the past, you know, two, even stretching it to three seasons. Right. So throughout that time, like that to me is always a mark of a great club. Like city have done it. Barcelona have done it. I don't want to just keep naming teams that Pep has managed. <laughs> but, but Bayern have done it. <laughs> Bayern have done it. All right, I'll throw out, I'll throw out like Real Madrid, like Mourinho days, like counterattack, like sure. teams that had a, an identity and a way of playing. And ultimately the superior, the, the, the more, the higher quality team I feel is able to input their style, their dominance on that. So, and, and Genie to me is, He's almost like a Roberto Firmino, probably just those two, that the stats don't always represent what they bring to the overall way that that Liverpool plays, 
And if we think about the way Liverpool plays, it's just this high intensity, you know, it's unlike any other club in Europe right now, and unlike any other club in the world. So that to me is what Genie's impact is. You're not always going to see, and this is a problem, you're not always going to see it against Burnley or, you know, or Newcastle or these other clubs, but you see it, we, we don't have to rattle off like, yeah, obviously the, the Barca victory and all that, but he's, he's a championship caliber player that's able to help dictate style of play against these teams. He like, yeah, I, I and I think there's no higher compliment than the amount of time that he has played. Like, I think that playing that much in a Klopp midfield where clearly it's not easy to fulfill the roles that Klopp wants because we're, you know, gosh, we, I mean, we signed Fabinho for whatever close to like 40 million pounds or whatever. And he didn't play for six months while he figured (laughs) out how to play in Klopp's midfield. And now he's brilliant. Like, obviously he's been, you know, he's been consistently one of the best defensive midfielders in the premier league since then, but it took a lot of time. And Jeannie Vinaldum was an attacking midfielder at Newcastle. So for him to go into multiple iterations of this Liverpool side, multiple like ups and downs of being in the team, being out of the team, like playing, on the right playing like, (laughs) you know, central midfield playing as an attacking midfielder playing as playing as a center back. Uh, like he's done all of this different stuff in kind of service to the team, but at the end of it and, and now like in his current role, you know, as, as long as he continues with Liverpool, his current role, he is one of, you know, as far as midfielders go, he's one of the guys that Klopp trusts the most. Um, and that to me speaks more than any, than any individual, you know, stat could potentially point to. It's like in his moment of like in his big game, in his, whatever Klopp is going to point to genie and say, like, I know that, like, I trust you. Um, and, and that to me is the highest compliment, um, for a midfielder. So I don't know how you replace that because, anyone you bring in is going to take time to earn, to get to that level again. There's not going to be a ready made genie replacement because Klopp isn't going to trust a new guy the same way that he trusts genie right now. So I think that's the impact. Yeah. And you know, long, not just longevity, but availability is so underrated. I think, I don't know if it's like Simon Brundish, but others talk about this. Just when you look at Bobby, when you look at Sala, Van Dyke, Gene Wijnaldum, you keep this core team together that's available. And that's part of the dominance too. And it's part of the style of play. And that's, that's part of it. Like, and that's what's kind of bizarre about like the disrespect that Genie gets is because we see like how talented of a footballer he gets, right. Or, or, or he is, you see what he can do for the Netherlands almost like comically how more of like a goal scorer or creator he is for them. Um, but you also like, you know, the, the eye test crowd or the YouTube clip crowd, like who has a better highlight clip than Jeannie Manalo? Like, it's like, 
It's like Zidane and then Jeannie Winaldo. Like you put those two clips <laughs> side by side, they're doing the exact same shit. So that's what always blows my mind is that he just doesn't pick up goals, assist, or you know, necessarily create chances, but that's not his role here. So taking him out of the, the squad, I mean, we, we look at who we have and we look at even like the dominance that, that Nabi had and the Bundesliga, right? Came in, you know, we, we would always go back and forth with others about his impact, but he, he's got a lot of similar characteristics, but he's also maybe more of that, like, you know, kind of Hollywood style player where he's going to create chances through balls, goals, assists, all of that. Um, so Nabi could obviously fit that role, but can he stay? And that's a question same for like Tiago too. Like, can they stay healthy? Can they fit into the system? There's that, even if we bring somebody in, like, can they fit to the system? Can they adapt? Can they stay healthy? Like, Fabinho struggled, Henderson struggled, Ox has struggled. So even Nabi's had his injuries too. So having having a fit set of players, like availability is is so underrated. And it's just a, a piece of everything that Genie brings. The way in which this has all come about has obviously you know, been because of kind of these protracted uh, contract talks that have been going on for quite some time. Um, We've been talking about his contract situation for the better part of like a season and a half. It feels like Um, because it was like, Oh, he's only got two years left on his deal. Like let's get a extension sword. Then it was, Oh, he's only got a year left. And now we're coming, coming up on, you know, he is into that last season. Um, on the contract and it obviously there's talk of, you know, he, if he wants to stay, like he should resign, he should like sign the contract type thing. So do you think, and for you, does it impact how you view genie or his time at the club? If he does either run down his contract or use his, you know, uh, shorten like remaining time on the deal to get a move to Barcelona. Yeah. Well, it's different between orchestrating a move and well, especially publicly, which he still hasn't done. Right. Um, and also just running out your contract. Right. So we were even chatting a little bit about, you know, more like Emre Chan or is it a Suarez or Coutinho like departure? Um, I, I I don't know. Either way, even if Genie left news breaks right now and we see that Genie signed, signed a deal with Barza, I, I'm heartbroken, but I'm almost happy for him because I view it, or what I think his thought process may be, which is absurd because I have absolutely no idea, <laughs> is <laughs> we, we've seen what Genie's capable of, right? We've seen like Dutch Wijnaldum, going out there and absolutely destroying teams. We, I mean, we see that in like flashes for the Liverpool squad as well. So maybe that's his thought process. Maybe I'm going to, I'm not just leaving Liverpool because it's a small club, which is what this Suarez Coutinho felt like it's, I'm going to leave for this opportunity. Right. So either Chan like run down his contract, still a little bit bizarre where his decision-making he's just an idiot, but for Dini, like, (laughs) It looks like this shining light. Like I can go, I can be this type of player. Maybe I want to play that way, right? I've accomplished, I brought uh, Champions League. I brought, brought the Premier League to Liverpool. Let me go have my moment with my kind of peak years of career that I still have left and be the guy for, for Coma, for Barcelona. And that to me is like, 
Jeannie, we love you. Like go keep posting on Instagram and Twitter photos of you smiling. And yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll hate it if you, if you do for Barca what you did against them. Yeah. I, that, that to me sums it up. Like I think that I think his, his style for the Netherlands is obviously so different. And, and he's shown, like you said, he's shown what he can do. And I think Barcelona in particular in this, in this particular moment for Barcelona, which is a whole other, (laughs) which is a whole other like conversation really. Um, It's because obviously they're going through the whole messy thing right now. They're going through a managerial change. They're probably going through a change in the club's like hierarchy at the very top. Um, Didn't they get their director arrested or (laughs) he's like under investigation for corruption, which I'm sure I'm sure Messi just like made a call like, and they were (laughs) all of a sudden it was Messi announced he was staying. And then like, immediately they also announced that the president of the club was like under investigation for corruption. But, um, I was just surprised it wasn't tax evasion. Like I assume eventually (laughs) in Spain. Well, that's, (laughs) that's why I don't know. That's why I thought Messi was never going to go to England because there's no way that a guy who's almost been hit for tax evasion in Spain is going to go to England. (laughs) Like there's no way, but anyway, but they got the Isle of Man. You know, <laughs> they got they got tax havens there. Yeah, true. But his so this moment for Barca is very odd, especially when it comes to to Wijnaldum, because I think it's almost it's very dissimilar from what we've seen in the past. Suarez went to Barcelona because I think it was like a childhood dream of his. Same with Coutinho, but they both went with these like delusions of grandeur in terms of, well, not delusions in Suarez's case, I guess, but, um, but they went with this idea that they're joining a club. That's like literally transcendent in terms of like the game or whatever it is. You know, they say like Mace K and club or whatever, like they have that idea that this is like, this institution, but I think a lot of that has faded, right? Like I think, I think now for a player like Wijnaldum, he's got a manager that he obviously likes playing for with the Netherlands. He's who understands him probably, you know, as a player in a, in a different way than, than Klopp trusts him. He trusts him to be like the engine of the offensive side, like, which is a totally different role than what we see for Wijnaldum in Liverpool and Barcelona are in are at a point where he could in theory join and bring them into a new era of success. Um, like they didn't win the league this year. They got absolutely destroyed in the champions league. It's Messi's last season. Like he's got a chance to play with Messi as well for, for a year at, at, at least. And maybe if it goes well more beyond that, but there's, there's just so much, I think in terms of like the, all the stuff surrounding the game. Like, I don't think, I think a lot of people saw the way that Coutinho left, especially as kind of a, like spitting in the, in the eye of like the project that Klopp was overseeing and like saw it as him kind of jumping ship before we got to the promised land. Genie, I mean, has done everything for this team 
dragged us up from from you know oblivion by at, during that Barcelona match, and then you know like saw uh, us win a league title. So I don't know that we can, like you said, I don't think we can begrudge him going and doing whatever it is that's going to like make him happy in these like, I mean, he's, he's turning 30. Um, he, you know, he's got, maybe he's got Milner legs left in him and he's got like five or six <laughs> years left, but th- this kind of time in his career is the last time that he'll ever have a chance to make a move like this. So he's at a, he's at a juncture where his decision is I'm either at Liverpool for the rest of my career more or less, or I, I take this chance and I get to do something maybe a little different. And maybe that's something that he, he values and gosh, I just, I don't know. I can't, I don't have it in me to hold it against him. No, there's no, it's even, you don't see too much. Like if this was any other player, I think you would really see it like on, I think the fact that he's now somehow pitted against, and this is just the way that it's been reported too, and everything about FSG and, you know, selling to buy all of those pieces, but it's now just between like Genie and Tiago. Right. Right. And, and part of that also, when I look like there are a handful of midfielders that you could think about, like if they're fit, if they're healthy, you know, could come into and walk into this Liverpool midfield, right. That really can dominate too. And Thiago's one of them too. So it's, I, I think that's why Jeannie gets a little bit of the, the grief that he's seen maybe on, on LFC Twitter, but it's really because he's now pitted as you have to go in order for this player to come in. <laughs> um, which is bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> we might be able to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. But it's also, I, I don't know. I feel whether Jeannie leaves, you know, within the next week or two, whether he leaves a year from now, whether he's, or if he stays, but if he leaves, I just feel that you, you, you won't feel his absence. It, it may be like when Hendo is at his peak and then we lost him and kind of struggled, like we can point directly to it. I just don't know if Jeannie will get the respect he deserves immediately because you may not notice it against, you know, I don't know, newly like against Leeds or maybe somebody, you know, I don't know how they'll play, but you may not notice it in every match, but it's, you know, big goals against city or, you know, Barca, all of those things, like being able to control games against the best club in the world. Like we just have to see, do, do we begin to struggle? And that, and that's the worry of looking at the shining new object instead of the sure thing that you've had. Like if you replace that, do, do we still, are we able to continue that level of dominance too? So I I don't know if it'll be a fet, if it'll be felt immediately. Well, let's, let's talk about the shiny new object. Potentially (laughs) Uh, Tiago has been a very public target, I guess um, for, for Liverpool this entire off season. um, If you can even call it that the, couple of weeks since (laughs) since the champions league final however long it's been um two weeks yeah yeah um but tiago you you spoke you know you said and rightly so i think like one of the few players in the world that you can point to and say this guy's got the quality to play in basically any midfield on earth um yeah but 
in terms of the in terms of the fit and everything, how do you feel about the potential of signing Tiago? What's the what vibe do you get from this from this type of transfer for Liverpool? We got to go back a ways to when we uh, <laughs> was it Sahin? Who did we get from Dortmund? Yeah, Nuri Sahin. Yeah, yeah. Where it was like. Even if it was just alone, which is amazing because that's how what like Arsenal and Tottenham players or fans feel now. Even if it was just alone, <laughs> you're like, if I could have handpicked any midfielder in the world to come in and have an impact, it would be him. And he was miserable. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to feel burned by that. Well, but you're like <laughs> that had that had Brendan Rodgers like uh, fingerprints all over it in terms of. As soon bit. as as soon as he went back to Madrid, he was like, he played me as a ten, and I don't play there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, at least he didn't have to feature at fullback too much. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, the but, I lovely know, that, goal against West Brom, he scored though well, in the uh, in the <laughs> League Cup, I think. <laughs> every Liverpool player has at least one. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> but. I, I do feel like if you could handpick like a player that has a lot of qualities that Genie has, but also he does, I don't know. He seems to have a more consistent, let's say flash or, you know, a, a, maybe a more kind of creative player, but that's also maybe his role too. So we don't know how we would fit in the Liverpool side, but that that's my approach. It, it, it is bizarre though, to see these players that in says like very public transfers, like, are they, or are, is it like Werner, like saying, I want to go to Liverpool. Is it Tiago saying like, I said goodbye to my teammates. I'm going to Liverpool. It, it's almost as if these players are just being vocal about them wanting to come to us and not necessarily us going around saying like, Oh, we want like Klopp's talked about it before, right? but it's more on the player end, which we've never really had. <laughs> we've never really been that destination before. So it's bizarre right. now to see <laughs> top targets, like seeking out Liverpool. I, so I brought up, I wanted to bring up the very public transfers because in recent memory and with a lot of recent signings over the past, probably three years, um, maybe more even now. um, But at least the last maybe, yeah, maybe four years, (laughs) the best business that we've done as a club that FSG have pulled off whatever Mikey Edwards and the laptop gang, whatever you want to call them. They, the best deals that they've pulled off have been completely out of the blue. Like I, I remember getting the notification that we signed Fabinho and being like, I didn't even know we were in for him. Like (laughs) I didn't like, I thought it was a fantastic signing, but I was like, Holy shit. What? Like, I remember being completely blindsided. So like I'd wanted that DM for a while too. Yeah. Oh, I mean, how long, how (laughs) long have Liverpool fans craved a defensive midfielder, like a true six. And now we've got one who also scores just fucking lasers from 40 yards. Uh, But the, but the crazy thing is that those are the deals that stand out to me as being like the best business we've done has yeah. been barely talked about up until the point where it is like 
Joyce season like notifications on and he's just saying, Hey, we've signed Fabinho Have or whatever. Been, they've all been about Everton lately though. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> they they won they won the transfer season again. But <laughs> for like the tenth year in a row. Um so the but all of the very public deals in recent memory, and you know, I'll take it back to Fakir to add on to like Werner and, and now Tiago and these kind of sagas that have been drawn out. I don't think we've, I mean, we very rarely landed the player at the end of this. Like we (laughs) don't normally, when these things get like this protracted, I feel like they get so much more complicated when they're this reported. Because right now, how how many times have you seen thirty million, it thirty million pounds in the in a tweet or in a headline or whatever about Tiago? It's all the time. It's every, it's the same. It's the same. Like oh, Tiago not reporting. Here's the link. Genie's got to go. So seeing seeing it from already about like oh, we're actually trying to unload like who like Wilson or Grich or somebody to sure. try to free up funds. That makes more sense. That makes a lot of people happier. But right. it, it, it is. And that's, I, I mentioned something about the nature of how it was reported to, because usually there's no, even with very public transfers, and I think some of them that, pro, like even Allison, like it wasn't like this long saga, right? But no. so like Nabby and Verge, it was drawn out because it was basically probably done at a player level. Mm-hmm. And then we had complications with, you know, how much the transfer, all of those things that prolonged right. it too. But just the Tiago one is different. And I, I mentioned this on Twitter about the way that it was being reported is that it wasn't a, it wasn't like this bashful shy way of approaching it. It wasn't like, you know, saying yes, this is happening or no, it's not because usually Pierce already will just like shoot it down. Yeah. So they almost, I, I kind of played into, you know, a lot of new like higher gigs for these people. So maybe they're trying to draw <laughs> out these stories. I still kind of feel that, but it, it, it has been a little bit unique in nothing new has really happened. What the past month or so? No, like no new information, but nothing has been shot down. Right. Nothing has really been like confirmed outside of everybody saying, well, maybe if this happened, yeah. which is really unlike, <laughs> Unlike the other transfers. My favorite, my favorite, absolute favorite line from any ITK. And this goes for even the ones who are pretty, even the ones who are pretty legit. Um, like, uh, what's his name? Fabrizio. Like that dude. Um, I can't remember his freaking name, but um, he's like on top of things, normally accurate in like what he's reporting. Yeah. But my favorite line of any ITK is it's up to the clubs. <laughs> no shit. No shit. It's up to the clubs. Like who else is going to get the deal done? Like I don't, I don't understand what that's not saying anything. That's not saying anything. Yeah. With <laughs> those ones, I just don't, unless it's like, you know, NBA Twitter has like the Woj bombs or whatever. Oh, you got it. Yeah. You know, they've got the, the, the one guy that drops every, every kind of breaking story. <laughs> the only person with a scoop in the whole league. 
there's one ITK on NBA <laughs> Twitter. And that's what I respect about NBA Twitter. They know it and they recognize it. Yep. <laughs> they don't go that, looking for like Arsenal, like Arsenal fucking whatever Pepe season for transfer news. No, they're not going to Giannis (laughs) silky Giannis. uh, (laughs) You got to have the right type of like descriptors. Greek freak season 69, like said that it's a done deal. I, if that, if that Twitter handle does not exist, I am taking it right now. <laughs> Maybe, actually, that's a different type of Twitter. But, <laughs> Fabricio and all of those European guys, I'm just like, what, what's the meme with like Thanos where it's like all that for like a drop of clout or something like that. I feel like <laughs> they experience the boom of like, holy shit, it's a premier league, like transfer saga, right? Like football Twitter is going to blow up. Like, cause he's just saying the same shit over and over. Like it's between the clubs, like clubs trying to hash out a deal. Like Chago telling him he's leaving. He's not reporting. It's the same shit like over and over again. So it's like, I would probably do the same thing. Like if I can just like, and maybe we should be doing this. Like if I've got a tweet that really should bang and doesn't, which you and I have had enough of. I mean, I more just, than we can count. Yeah. We should just set like, get some sort of bot to automatically tweet that like every three weeks or so until it bangs. Cause that that's all basically they're doing. They're just repeating the same shit and they're just getting, you know, favorites and likes and attention. So <laughs> I don't know until it's a credit to, to Pearson ready, but until it's the, uh, till it's Joyce season. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, Joyce has been, has been Everton's it's been Joyce season for Everton. Uh, not really, not really Liverpool so far. Um, but the interesting thing about Tiago, and I think, uh, in terms of the fit, like you talked about playing in the system, what's interesting about him is especially in this champions league campaign and watching Bayern more because I, you know, I catch him every once in a while in the Bundesliga, but I don't like intently watch every Bayern game or anything like that. But in the champions league, I, I saw yeah. them play, you know, I saw every game that they played in this shortened champions league and Tiago played in a two next to Goretzka in most of these games. So yeah. like that's a pretty big departure from the way that Liverpool's midfield has primarily operated. So the question is, would you see this <laughs> Tiago signing as a way for Klopp to change his setup? Or would you see it as Tiago is going to come in or, you know, they had identified him to come in and fit a certain role in the current setup? Yeah. Well, I think it's both like Klopp's toyed with a little bit. He's done it before, but. Four two three one was one of his, you know, he's four two three one or four three three, and it it's always flexible. But yeah, uh, Tiago offers that right. He could fit in very well with the same way that Henderson, probably liking it more like the way Henderson plays a six mm-hmm. to like a Fabinho, right? But right. you could put, I don't know, I I don't know how Henderson would do in a two, um, but I feel almost feel like you know. I'm still not sure about Fabinho, but I do feel like Nabby, Genie, 
uh, Tiago Fabinho could fit that two roller or four, two, three, one. So, right. you know, kind of four flexible. So that, that begins to make sense. Cause if you think of it as just kind of that, not flat three, but you know, there's, there's only so much space in that three, but it doesn't really make any numerical sense, but that two, <laughs> switching to a two is not just like, you're not just losing one, but it's just this wider range of flexibility where maybe then Jeannie could pl- Jeannie could certainly play in that too. Maybe he plays in a more advanced position. I don't know, but it offers versatility, I think, in the formation and the type of people that we have. I, I, I don't see like Hendo, Ox could probably play in a front three, but I don't know. We only have a handful of midfielders that could be like those central two that still control it. Right. Yeah. And I, well, and I think maybe of the two, Tiago is surprising in the amount of defending that he is actually capable of doing. Um, because I think we, yeah, we, and rightly so we think of him as a, you know, he's an amazing passer of the ball. His vision is incredible. Um, he retains the ball extremely well, but he played as the deeper of two midfielders, like with Goretzka, who's obviously, you know, a, a converted attacking midfielder, um, so yeah, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting proposition because you could conceivably as crazy as it sounds when I like think it, but you could play a two of Nobby and Tiago, which sounds like suicide on paper when you think about kind of the styles <laughs> of the players, but he played next to Goretzka and they won a champions league. So like, yeah. it's not that crazy. What's uh, the the switch and I've I've seen a few about it on Twitter talking about like the four two three one and it's not even to say like the adjustment that Salah could take centrally or maybe even Firmino where does Minamino fit in like what if you had like what if Genie stays right Genie stays we mm-hmm. sign Tiago we sell the excess players that aren't ever really going to feature anyway and you create like you've got maybe Genie. this you know i'm not going to call it what people want to call it but you've got genie side by side with tiago (laughs) in the midfield and maybe you've got nabby like right ahead of them in the tent right so that that's that's all i've really ever wanted in this world but no actually (laughs) in a diamond with fabinho in the defensive mid behind them but it's just like (laughs) you carve out some time for minamino now you you could even have like Firmino dropping into a 10 so it's pretty enticing from just the the flexibility and system that they offer but I don't know to start like unless Genie leaves I don't see the need for any type of like formation switch or anything like that Um, I think he fits in and you know it's just a question of you know we kind of have four midfielders really what competing for those three spots so there's nothing wrong with having five I'll, I'll do respect to Milner, but you know, (laughs) uh, so I think, uh, I think now is as good a time as any to move into a a new little segment here, um, to start the season first name on the team sheet. Um, and it's a, it's thrown around quite a bit, um, in terms of who is the first name on the team sheet, but 
in this case, what we're looking for is we want to talk through Liverpool's best 11 as it stands right now. And then I think we want to dive into maybe where we see some, some gaps, maybe some room for improvement. Um, but I think we normally start at, at defense and work our way forward. And it certainly simplifies things for us in Liverpool's case, uh, starting with the defenders, because the first names on the team sheet, pretty easy in that back five. I don't want to go literal, like goalkeeper five across. Yeah. I want to do this. <laughs> now we can pick the same players, obviously. Okay. But I want to do it like FIFA draft style. Okay. Okay. So Where we're going to make got- two 11s out of okay just order it could be the same 11 they could be the same 11 right but it's all about the order because i you know we got into this with some others on lc twitter about like it's not just like if we like offhand i think Salah, i think verge is they might be the first but like (laughs) like the best (laughs) highest quality players on the team yeah but we've got system players that are also world-class players too so it's We're we're trying to get in the mind now of Klopp writing his like most important eleven. Like, right. if I've if I really got like, who am I thinking of first when sure. I'm writing down the eleven? Not necessarily like goalkeeper, right back, center, center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we will go. We'll go one, one to one, and we'll build one one two 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 two. Three, yep, three, and we'll build our team out. Um, so, Pat. I wish I had I like a graphic you. or something like, you know, <laughs> well, this is a podcast. Ma- so match of the day that they got, they, we'll work on, that'll be your next upgrade. You got like the mixer <laughs> and all that. We'll work on some type of like whiteboard or something we can do. All right. Yeah. <laughs> My first 11, Jurgen Klopp, he's got his, he's got a scratch paper. He's got his whiteboard, bust out the pen. Yep. Okay, I'm envisioning now the 11. I'm actually going to give me some scrap paper. I'm yeah, that's what I, I needed some as well. Give me a red pen. The, the image, this image, you know, I'll keep it old school. We'll put this image on Twitter. All right. Inverting the pyramid. Here we go. First name on the clean, clean sheet. Or team sheet. I mean, it is clean, clean and sheets. you haven't written on it yet, so... But you might know who I'm talking about <laughs> if my subconscious comes out. First at center back is the one, the only, Virgil van Dyke. I'm not going to disagree uh, in the sense that obviously Virgil massively important to the way we play. Massive. Um, Fire, but, (laughs) uh, but I, I, I am going to say that, um, in the biggest games, first name, Bobby Firmino up top. I'll give you Bobby. And the reason, the reasoning behind it is because, and this is assuming my my whole selection is assuming a four three three in the system that we've played like this past season. Oh, not yeah. not any switches in that because I think I think things start to get different 
um, in, in different systems. But Bobby in that false nine is he's just, he's the man that can do that job. And I think he's, I think he's probably the one where it's like, this is how we attack. This is how we get our two main goal scorers involved. So you've got to have one to be able to have the others. Can't, I can't fault you there. I can't, I feel like sometimes you and I need to disagree more to spice and spice and lighten this up <laughs> a little bit, but um, because Bobby's my number two, Bobby's the second jackass. Oh, are you Bobby ser- up top. Are you serious? I've no, got, wait, I, got, th- th- I'm trying to inject some disagreement. Into the, <laughs> the, what the, uh, I cannot was, believe you. <laughs> I stole it. I stole it actually. <laughs> So we're in, injecting a little bit of not spite, but yeah, you know, right. Bit, right. But no, he. I think that's an important clarifier. We're going four three three. Yeah, established standard. Yep. Big match, right? We're not talking. Well, yeah, maybe against Leeds, <laughs> but we're not talking <laughs> Aston Aston Villa. Who are you to make a point? We're right. <laughs> big match four three three. Yeah. One for me, Verge. Your number one for me now. Also my number two. My. Number two, big match, and all things, like I said, four three three, the system that we play. I think it's Trent. Okay, okay. But I think we're taking different approaches because I think you're building the spine, and I'm thinking about like the way we build up. You're right. You're thinking attack. You're building the spine. Yeah. But that speaks about you as a, uh, the way you. (laughs) I'm much more conservative in my approach. As much as I hate it, I think I'm more of a Mourinho in my brain. (laughs) And it shows by my counterattacking style whenever we play FIFA. But seriously, (laughs) do you not remember where we were prior to Virgil van Dyke? And you don't even have, he's not Um, second on the list. Okay. There's, I mean, gosh, there's, there's so much like someone is getting gypped. Like there's oh. going to be a number 11 on this list and it, it's going to be one of the best players on earth. Like, yeah. It, does, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Which is it's going to be Joe Gomez. Unfortunately, it's going to be Joe Gomez. And I apologize cool. to him in advance. Cause I love Joe. Um, but he's probably in terms of the indecision. Yeah. It's Joe or Joel. And you can't, yeah, if there's a toss say, up, you can't be towards the top. So don't disrespect Mata like that. No, don't and that's apologize not, just to Joe. Now you have to apologize, <laughs> I have to, apologize to Joel who, I mean, goal scorer against Blackpool. So there's the, that the comeback of the century sparked it all, but <laughs> all right, I, I can live with that. I can live with that. I think that might, that's going to be one of our bigger gaps. Okay. Um, so my number three, mm-hmm. or should we do this like snake style? No, I think you're good. I think we're good to go back and forth. Okay. My number three is going to be Mo Salah running down the wing. Now (laughs) it's Verge. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But like I said, I think in terms of the, the reason that Trent just gets on the sheet ahead of him is partially because of the way that obviously Klopp 
Klopp's side builds, but it's also about the lack of depth at right back that we have right now. No offense meant to Neko Williams. I think he's going to be a brilliant player and I think he's done well. He's not nearly at Trent's level. Um, yeah. So I think right now in the way, the importance of Trent to the buildup and the lack of a natural replacement, like ready made replacement, it puts him further up the list. Van Dyke, we could survive without whoa, whoa, Van Dyke. Whoa. I'm not saying no, no. we would do well if he's out of a game. We did, did see, keep a clean did sheet against Bayern, clip? but did you see the video clip of him barking orders. Oh, I, my favorite part, we didn't even, we didn't even talk about this, but my favorite part of coronavirus premier league is turning audio. off the, the pumped in audio, natural audio and hearing Joe Gomez encourage, or sorry, <laughs> hearing Virgil encourage Joe Gomez for 90 minutes. <laughs> I could listen to that just as a podcast. Is that why you have Gomez at the bottom of your 11? Because <laughs> he's getting talked through the <laughs> match by Virgil. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Right? But that's an important part of this, I think, this type of selection process. Sure. Because you're like, who can we not afford to lose, right? right? It's not always about like who's like the best player on the team. It's like who can we not afford to leave out of the squad? <clears throat> right. And so right on with Trent, maybe this speaks more about me. My number four is our goalkeeper, Alisson. <sighs> Which was enhanced even more by the our the nature of our exit from the Champions League. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean it's but at the same time. Is it not but, is it not safe to say that we've won one hundred percent of the Champions Leagues that Allison has played in? <laughs> is that well, yeah, for us, I was going to say. I was thinking back to his stat about his last defeat at Anfield. Um, yeah, <laughs> five goals. Was it a robot? Was it yeah. a robot? Uh, it, we also, like, Adrian did incredibly well in the league, too. So, he again, did. It's, you know, it's thinking big match, maybe elimination, knockout style, yeah. second leg. I well, don't know. I just see yeah. part of it is this self-consciousness of where who we were before Van Dyke. Allison and mm-hmm. the team that we have become now. Yeah. But you know, best defensive, one of the best defensive clubs in Europe. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, the classic thing is you can take the goalkeeper out of West Ham, but um, you know, as the saying goes, <laughs> I just don't, I, you know, Adrian did a decent job, but yes, Allison is like completely indispensable like at the moment um, in terms of making us the team that we are. Um, But I'm not going to go that way (laughs) for the next player because I have to go to Mo and I want to give a shout out to one of the heroes of uh, one of the hall of famers of the two red gringo, Simon Brundish, who is constantly waging a war on Twitter um, in favor of Mo Salah. He's constantly yeah. battling the narratives around Mo. And, Just in uh, general. Yeah. In general. And one of his biggest battles is <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> so Simon Brundish, like, keep fighting the good fight. But, yeah, Mo has to be up there because he's... 
the numbers in this case don't lie about his importance to, to the attack. And, uh, you know, so he has to go, he has to go in there. Plus I think we're much better when Mo and Trent are both playing on that flank. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think we're, a, a trend is developing between our 11th that we're going to get absolutely roasted for on Twitter, but continue it. My number five, also important is uh, the young scouser in the team, <laughs> Trent Alexander Arnold. You think we're going to get roasted for this? Not for Trent. Okay. For the player that we have not named yet. Oh, I am about to name him <laughs> because <laughs> he's hoping for it. Because he is so, yeah. And gosh, it's like we said at the beginning, there are 11 world-class players that are all being snubbed in their own way. <laughs> like they're, they're all, one of us yeah. is offending a bunch of people by not all, placing them top. All 11, because we had different first choice, first picks have exactly. been offended. Yeah. Every single player has been slighted. So you just have to go into this understanding that we mean no, absolutely no offense to any of these players. We're, just speaking in terms of the system and, and all of that. But next for me, Sadio Mane. There he is. And Had to make sense. What's also crazy about this list <laughs> is we have not named <laughs> a single midfielder yet uh, in the importance of our sides. And yeah. which is crazy. But I think it also speaks to Klopp and how he views his midfield. But for Mane, Mo and Sadio, for me, are equally indispensable in terms of their impact on the attack. And Sadio, in particular, has spent many a game dragging Liverpool through a tepid performance and finding a way to score like a banger or whatever. Um, the Newcastle game at Anfield sticks out to me. Like we actually go behind and he scores a banger to equalize and runs and grabs the ball and yells at everyone for trying to celebrate <laughs> like that is, you know, just highlights to me uh, just how important Sadio is to the team. And he would be in there sooner. Um, if not for the way that we build up and, and attack. Yeah. And I think that's a difference. So many of these players could really be interchangeable, right? When we look at like wingers, fullbacks, it, midfield, and even the second choice center back gets a little bit heightened, but yeah, that that's my next pick was Mane too, just because if we think about the structure of what we do, like Trent, Trent is obviously highlighted, right? Even Robertson, <laughs> the, the difference between like the essentialness of the two is like, it's not visible, right? Because they're both so important in what they do. Right. But when, if I look at our two wingers of Salah and Mane, I, I've always been a little bit more ballast or Salah. Like I absolutely love Mane. Mm-hmm. Incredible player, like rightfully deserved, like the team 11, all that which is funny because the guy in the premier league 11 
it's like the fifth <laughs> crack the top your top five of my top yeah. six. But, <laughs> but to me, it's just like if we think about the role of every player, like what Salah did in his first season, he would continue to do that if he wasn't played differently, right? So the way that Trent plays, the way that Bobby plays, the attention that Mo gets does free up Mane, right? So ultimately to me, I I go with Salah because I do think he's like the superior goal scorer and creator, but, you know, Mane's just right right there behind him too. So that, you know, we're, we're talking about fine margins here. Yeah. And yeah, and two of the finest attackers <laughs> in yeah. the world so, at the moment. In my first six, I've got a front three and I've got a back three right, right. now. I have absolutely nobody in the middle. <laughs> well, and I think it, I think we'll probably have a discussion as to why that is. Um, but I'm also going to kind of flip the not flip the script, but change things up slightly from your order because I still haven't put Allison down, but I'm still not going to quite yet. <laughs> the disrespect. It It is. It is. Um, he doesn't deserve it, but he's going to get it nonetheless. Um, so I'm, this may be a controversial pick, but I'm going to go for Rabo next. Okay. And the reasoning behind that is similar to like Trent Mo, but Mane Rabo, like whenever we see anyone else play in that left back spot and I, you know, Costas Samikas may like change our mind <laughs> soon. Who, who knows the world, <laughs> but the, the bottom line is that with Rabo in the team, like we are a very different prospect um, in terms of teams setting up to defend us. Um, and yeah, I just think, I just think we look a lot better, um, when he's in there versus when he's not. So he yeah. gets in there a little bit, a little bit ahead just because we can, we can look pretty dire in attack, um, with, with other folks back there. Yeah. And that's, that's the other layer too, is this, how, like, how do all of these players, like, how do we look with them? How do we look without them? And if we lose like a Trent, if we lose a Robertson, that completely changes the way that we have to play. Right. Like somehow we're one of the few teams maybe ever (laughs) in Europe to like utilize fullbacks as a consistent attacking force, even when teams set up like that against us. So when we lose Robertson, when we lose Trent, it's a completely different style, which is funny to see, like, you know, Robertson up there, like right alongside Mane with how we're choosing. Mm-hmm. Cause if you think about maybe the level of, you know, world-class quality between them, and this ultimately kind of explains why we haven't had any midfielders like Asadio Mane and Mohamed Salah, like you see them and they just like, they lose quality in class, right? right. Robertson's kind of like this, you know, blue collar, like hardworking, you know, great story, incredible in defense, really great in attack, but it's not like what we think of in a world-class player, you know, despite being, you know, on the world 11 or whatever, but, (laughs) but now I I will transition. And that's part of, that's part of why we probably as much as we, we just talked up genie as being an integral part of this, but that's, that's the thing all of these players are. So 
I'll get to Robertson, but before him, I actually have Genie next on my list okay. coming in at number seven. Okay. Just because at some point I had to like fit him and force him in there. But how, like, how do we measure these? Like we point to Mane, we point to Salah. Right. Like, because we know like goals and assists, even Trent, even Robertson, like yeah. <laughs> record breaking assists from fullbacks. We know what Allison Van Dyke provides. Like, it's just harder for the midfielders in this system. I don't think they're as interchangeable, but they just feel that way because they're not, they're not always popping up on the score sheet or anything like that. But I do have, that's where I worked in. Like what, <laughs> what team are we? And I thought about it. I wasn't sure whether to put Robertson or Genie. Right. And I thought right. about what team we are again, kind of in a big match sure. without Robertson and what team we are without Genie. And I just lean towards Genie. So I'm going to go Allie next. <laughs> it's about damn time. <laughs> <laughs> but that does leave me with basically the midfield in eight, nine and 10, which is crazy. But I think, I think, well, and I'll let you, I'll let you pick next and then I'll, I'll talk about my midfield conundrum. Yeah. Well, we're going to switch into a heavy midfield and then whatever scrap center back. We See, even the way that we have to describe them, in this list is demeaning to all these right. incredible players. But yeah, after right after again, for me, it's really fine margins here. But then if I think about the team, Robertson was next on my list. Okay. So I'm going to mix it up and we've obviously bigged up genie. So I'm not going to, again, not disrespecting, but when I think you- about the midfield, I'm going to go with fab. All right. All right. But here's where, here's where I'm like torn, right? Like, because (laughs) Fabinho to me is like, we spoke about earlier. We cried out for how many years for a, a true defensive midfielder. And we watch, we, we watch Hendo valiantly fulfill that role. Um, you know, for years where he, he took a, a kind of a backseat role was playing in a six. It wasn't his best position by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and we've now seen, you know, unlocked Jordan Henderson or whatever you want to say, but Fabinho to me allows a lot of what the other two midfielders do by being that cover and he's also so important in the buildup because he drops between the center backs and builds out like he is the link um, a lot of yeah. times between um, between defense and attack. So, yeah, Fabinho is next for me, but it's only because of it, it's partially recency because he's been, you know, he's obviously been good in the pa- over the past, you know, now year and change, but his um his role i think gives so much freedom to everybody else not yeah. that the other two midfielders don't cuz that's why they're out there but his in particular and the amount of space he covers just is it it's kind of incredible i'm going to stick with the 11 that i wrote down even though now i really i really feel like i <laughs> i botched <laughs> i botched it towards the end what <laughs> Speaking of recency, so my number nine uh-huh. pick, number two midfielder, 
And I feel like I'm betraying everything I've ever stood for and everything <laughs> I ever wanted is Jordan Henderson. <laughs> I, am, I, I regret it now. Uh, I but mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm there's no stick, regret. I'm, I'm sticking. There's a little bit of regret because it's Henderson. <laughs> and I knock some people down that I really love. But I got to stick with, I got to stick with what, what my gut said. Yeah. And that maybe that's even more recency was just, you know, the perfect mixture of Hendo having that like MVP caliber season right. where he was, well, I don't know. He wasn't great to start the year. Let's be honest. Then he hit form. Then he got injured. And like, oh, we miss him. And then he came back. Sure. And it was just a perfect combination of like form and missing him when ours dipped. So, right. But anyway, and here's, but, here's my last point about the midfield because I think it's I think it's fair to have midfield like confusion, if you will, in this case, because every single game, I don't think we ever know what midfield Klopp is going to name. Yep. Like there was a while where in Europe, away we knew he would he one hundred percent of the time would name Genie Milner and Hendo. And that was the midfield for one whole Champions League campaign every single game. That was that was the midfield. Yeah. He did not veer from it. Um, that was not the case this past year. Like, there were plenty of times where I was like, oh, like, would never have put those three together or thought that he would have. Um, and so... I think that adds to it in that he he's gotten to a point and we've gotten to a level of depth too in the midfield where we can specialize based on the opponent and based on the occasion, based on the game. So there is, I think, a big game or maybe a best 11 in our minds. But in reality, that midfield is so kind of malleable and flexible that you can play like super attack. You know, in theory, you could play like Fabinho with Ox and Nobby next to each other. Mm -hmm. And it's just like balls to the wall. Or you can play like, you know, kind of a more traditional midfield. And I think what we see as like the more obvious 11 where it's, you know, Fabinho and Genie and Hendo, um, that's the more like workman like uh, midfield that we've come to know, I guess. Um, but there's always, there's always room to be like, well, what is our best midfield? Um, because we've seen a lot of different iterations. So I don't think it's easy to pick who is, you know, first on the sheet because they're not necessarily making it every game or even a majority of games, like as a unit. Well, even, even, I don't know, is like, like for me, Jeannie, between that midfield, Jeannie's probably like the first of the midfielders where you say like, okay, he's part of it no matter what type of system we want to play. Sure. Um, but then you've got two spots for, let's just say, just the basic three people, right? Not even factoring them like Ox or others um, who right. rightfully deserve it. But I, I don't even know. So that's why I just, I lean towards Hendo initially. Yeah. But honestly, in my dream 11, We've got Gina, Jeannie, we've got Nabby. Oh, I said Gina. I don't know Gina. <laughs> Damn, Jeannie, Gina. Jeannie, <laughs> Nabby, and Fabinho. 
like that's my, they're all at peak. They're all operating at their full capacity in Klopp system. But Hendo did, Hendo had a great season. That's why I'm just, okay, looking right. at what we saw, I'll put Hendo there. And then it's a toss up then between what we've got. Aside from that, like two positions left and really yeah. kind of, there's some flexibility there between the last midfield spot and the last yeah. center back spot. And Genie was next for me. I don't know if I made that clear, but Fabinho, and then Genie. Respect. Um, the disrespect for Nabby, though. But I, when I tell you the, the heartache I am feeling about not having, because if this was, let's go back like to whatever, two transfer summers ago, two transfer seasons, Nabby would have been, when he signed that pre-contract or whatever, he'd have been number one for me. He's in there. Yeah, done. I, straight I out of Leipzig, I would have put him straight onto the. <laughs> I was I was the biggest knobby stan of all time. Oh yeah, we were and still are. Yeah, so I mean it hasn't Nabby, changed. <laughs> Nabby season continues. It does, and now I mean right. he's come into his own as well. And I think I think there's a conversation to be had about Nabby being a much more important piece or a much more consistently important piece in this season's midfield. But yeah, for sure. Going off of last season's evidence, like he was more of a situational player or he got starts in certain situations. Well, that it saddens me (laughs) to place, to place somewhere I placed him, but next on my list, number 10, is a toss-up. I've got two toss-ups to close it out. Not toss-up between who and the 11, but really about 13 different players that I picked, and I'm just going to include because I'm cheating. But <laughs> the gomez Matip yeah. center-back partnership. Yeah. Really, for me right now, still kind of interchangeable. I'd probably lean towards Gomez, so I'll give Gomez a shout. But that's, you know, I'm filling out the defense before I fill out that number six position. uh yeah uh well i guess for me i think it is that final midfield spot um and uh yeah i mean on last season's evidence i'm going to go for going to go for hendo um in that kind of traditional midfield um but I mean, that's obviously ignoring all of the other stuff, like the fact that he's the club captain and and all of that. Um, But in terms of his role, I think we do have. I think we change him out quite frequently because we. He is the first midfielder who's sacrificed in in the, the name of more attack or better link up or or what have you. Um, Yeah but he had a lot of great moments this season. And I'll always remember when I was at, uh, I was at the game with uh, El Paso Reds calling for him to be taken off against Spurs. And then he promptly scored. So um, yeah. So I, I have, uh, I have fond memories of slagging off Hendo just in time to be proven wrong. So that's what we're doing. We're providing, a little incentive, a little kick for these players. Exactly. So when Gomez is like 
England captain by the end of the year, you know. Yeah. You'll and know I why. Had him, <laughs> and I had him on the fringe of our first yeah. <laughs> You'll know why. And this is why, like, Matip, I can keep on the bench. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like, I'm legitimately going to leave Naby Kite off. He's off the list. He's not on it. So my Same. final my final piece is Fabinho. Yeah. And it's, you know, obvi- I, I think in the grand scheme of things, probably what we could become, I, I would likely place Fabinho and Naby as our two best midfielders in terms of like potential for them and in Klopp's system, right? right. Even if Genie stays, Hendo stays, we sign Tiago. So, but what we have now, how we looked last season, you know, is the best club in the world. Uh, I'll round it out with the, you know, the one position I was always crying out for is the last one I put on the first 11 (laughs) is is Fabinho. And I will, I will echo the Gomez, the Gomez shout uh, for number 11, but, um, It's worth it's worth pointing out that I think Joel Matip is going to still get a significant amount of games this season, um, and I hope he can stay healthy because I I really do think that he's been absolutely brilliant for the better part of two years. Um, like he's always filled in, kind of you know he's filled in well, but he's really these last two seasons he's been damn near perfect when he plays. Um, so I just have to, um, give a shout out to him, but I mean, the ceiling for Gomez is we haven't found it yet. So, um, yeah, I think he's, I think he's the, uh, he's a shout. Well, very interesting. Um, but now that we've talked about the 11 and we've, we've talked up a lot of players and we've seen the strength in a lot of, in, in our starting 11, it's time to now maybe talk about the areas where maybe we need a little bit of help. And I mean, one area this, this summer has been addressed, which is the backup left back. It's been talked about and uh, Liverpool didn't play no games. Went after Jamal Lewis, Norwich said 20 million. Liverpool said, oh, no, we got <laughs> the other Greek freak, Costa Samikas. <laughs> Greek freak season still pl- still in play. Still in play. I'm going on Twitter right now. Yeah. <laughs> with the with the Samikas AVI uh, and you'll be you'll be good. You'll be rocking. But the the question marks kind of remain um, around maybe more midfield depth and definitely attacking depth for Liverpool at the moment. Um, so what do you make of this transfer season? What do you, what do you make of all the hubbub around, <laughs> around Liverpool Twitter these days? I don't know. Man. We always, we're well within our rights to want, a shiny new object to appear like for, for better or worse, like that's what the approach to transfer season, like 
the the beast that FIFA is. But just from a sensible standpoint, is you always want to be investing in the squad, right? And 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 so they're they're not so great takes. There are some hot takes, and they're you know in between. But I I feel that if if you can continue to reinforce, then you can continue to prolong it, right? But it, what do we know? <laughs> We're thinking like it's like FIFA. <laughs> Let me sign this twenty year old player because I got twenty five year old player, and then five years still hit me. It, it just doesn't work that simply. Right. Um, I, I do feel that you know there there are gaps that exist. Like there, we lost a first choice center back, not a first choice center back, but a, a first team center back. Yeah, we should likely be looking because that's you know it's not just that oh we've got three of them already. There's two positions, so my, my feeling is that you need a backup for both spots, right? Yeah. Is yeah. that is that one of the young one of the young kids that have been doing well? Sure. If Klopp thinks that, that's okay. Sure. My feeling is like you know I'm not going to mimic Chelsea going after Thiago Silva for probably ridiculous wages. Yeah. But yeah. that to me are are the gaps that exist that we just hard had a hard time naming a first eleven. So who, where are those gaps that exist that, that we're thinner at, right? So center back could be one. I think on the wings, um, a left wing, right wing could be one as well. Yeah. Um, I, I feel that we're comfortable with Nico Williams as a backup right back. Mm-hmm. He's shown some flashes, but it's not wrong to say there, there are some obvious, not holes in the squad, but we're thinner in positions where, you know, if we're predicting for worst case scenario, we need to spend. Now, if you're actually spending the, you know, tens or hundreds of millions of pounds, are you thinking worst case scenario? You're thinking we're good as is. We just won the Premier League. We won the Champions League. My ultimate standpoint is if Klopp is happy with the team, I'm happy with the team. And that's, I I think that's a completely fair (laughs) approach because obviously, I mean, he's reached these levels of success with the approach that they've, they've undertaken. They haven't gone out and and spent tons of money without i guess getting it first um you know the two big big massive signings that they've ever had uh were with you know half of coutinho's uh (laughs) price so uh with van dyke and allison so i just i don't know i i i think i think it's easy to worry uh, as a fan, because so much is unknown. Like there's so many factors that we don't see. There's so many things that we don't see on a day to day that it is easy for that fear of like, well, what if X thing happens and like, do they have a plan? Cause we don't get to see the plans. We don't get to see like what the vision is. Um, and for a guy like Klopp who came to the club where we were completely kind of, you know, adrift from where we wanted to be. Um, we had thought we were getting close uh, under Brendan and, and we weren't in reality because there wasn't a, there wasn't a vision. Like there wasn't a goal. There wasn't a, I think there or maybe there were goals. Maybe that's being harsh, but there wasn't a clear, like system or setup in the way that Brendan was going to get us from being mid table to being like a regular champions league team to being a premier league winner. 
Klopp like came in, set out those markers pretty much from the beginning and then consistently achieved those things. Like that's, and I think that's where we get kind of caught up is like, we're experiencing it in the moment and we're just kind of like riding the wave of, you know, a last day win against Middlesbrough to, to clinch top four, you know, like we're, we're just kind of experiencing it where he's seeing it as part of like, this is all part of the plan. Um, so I have to think for someone who's achieved as much as he has and who's seen the club reach this like new level of success that is unprecedented in the modern era, um, of the premier league, like, uh, for, for Liverpool. I mean, um, they, uh, there just has to be, there has to be a plan behind the scenes. Now, I think it's fair to ask questions and I think it's fair to, to pose those questions. Um, but at the end of the day, like you said, if he's happy, then, I mean, he's, he must have an idea of, of what's going on because he got us this far. Um, and I doubt he's like self-sabotaging for the, for the sake of not spending money that isn't his. Um, so yeah, yeah, I just, I just think, uh, when I, when I look at the team though, um, and we've had a couple of preseason friendlies now to, to kind of see what's what a little bit. Um, but for you, we talked about that attacking depth or whatever, and you mentioned Takumi Minamino coming in. We hadn't, you know, we got very, very small glimpses of him last, you know, towards the end of last season, but not any, he was always coming into games in like the worst possible situations. <laughs> now that we've seen him play a little bit more and we've seen him kind of like be around the team a little bit more. How do you like, how do you rate his potential to fit into this attacking unit and be like, not just the, Hey, we landed this guy from Saul's from Salzburg for cheap, but an actual contributor in, in attack for us. What we see in this preseason, I think, has been more <laughs> has boosted us a little bit more than maybe what we saw the flashes of him playing for Liverpool. But we've known too, like there's a difference between like Minamino, who's not going to crack that front three, and somebody like even like you know Robertson, who's kind of phased in Fabinho, Naby, um, maybe less Robertson in that case. Maybe Minamino is more like him, like a quality signing that could emerge. But like Nabi and Fabino, you know they're going to get cracks at it, right? You know they're going to get cracks at the first 11. And Menominos just isn't. Like he's not going to crack that first 11 unless there's an injury or, you know, there's some sort of rotation happening. Um, but we saw like he, he looks like he's a clop player, but he's also got, <laughs> I don't know, he, he goes like he's very much like our front three. Like he loves the link up. He loves like, you know, the, the kind of quick touch passing and through that, you know, when it comes off, it's spectacular too. So he seems to have that sort of quality. I think like the more time he gets, it's tougher as an attacker. And, and that's where I think we, we've got maybe the biggest gap, but it's also, it's so narrow to try to try and that, find that sweet spot, right? Of how we're not going to approach it like City or Chelsea, where we've got an established 11, and then we're going to bring in, another clearly established 11 player to challenge for that. 
like we're trying to find who is between like to me like for for Mino to Minamino is like that's like the perfect sweet spot. What can we find that for like the left and right for Mane and Sala on like on the wing, right? Is that like a SAR for Watford? Is it others? That player where Shakiri kind of fits that mold, but to be honest, it just doesn't feel like he's part, he's part of the plans for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, but like that level of quality between like, listen, Origi, Origi's a club legend. Right? Do I feel comfortable <laughs> when I see a coming off the bench? Not really. That's part of the surprise. But the, who is between like a Sala and a Mane and a Rigi? Right? Like how how do you find that sweet spot of player? So it's it, right. it's a big challenge. But I do think Minamino is that kind of perfect level between nobody's taken Firmino's spot, but Minamino is a damn good like you know it once he's established he can come in and almost kind of fill that role in his own way. Yeah. And he's looked every bit the part, you know, and obviously a little bit of lower level of opposition in, in preseason. And, um, but even towards the end of the premier league season in the restart, he started to look a little bit sharper when he would come in. He wasn't coming into utter disasters where he's thrown on in the last couple of minutes of like, I think he came on in the, in the Watford defeat. (laughs) Like he's, you know, those type of moments are not great for a new player where it's like, Hey, go make something happen maybe. Um, but he's looked the part, like you said, of, of a clock player. And he looks in terms of the quality of his touch, his passing, like all of that stuff has been his turns in particular and his ability to create space for himself. That's really encouraging. Um, but yeah, I mean, time will obviously tell if he's a, a true, uh, if he's true depth or if he's, you know, kind of making up the numbers. I don't think he is, but, um, but the other, the other person that we haven't really mentioned, uh, that around this team is, is Curtis Jones, um, mm-hmm. getting a lot more exposure to the first team as well. And I mean, how much do we see him break into either the midfield or the front three? Yeah. I, um, again, part of me hopes it's the midfield because <laughs> uh, that's as much as we praise them. And then we come back and say, Oh, we could use some, another dynamic player. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Jones is, he's one of the ones that will kind of be tasked with it. And, but he seems to be a fit for the midfield, right? He doesn't typically come on. I feel like for attackers, he does seem to come on for midfielders. So yeah. That that adds a little bit of you know dynamism to that kind of trio, um, but I do I you know there's nothing if I'm I'm not crying out for a midfielder right obviously if Genie needs Tiago would be a phenomenal replacement do I want to swap those two out not necessarily not necessarily but I'd be thrilled if we got if we signed Tiago as well right there's nothing wrong with having that depth but right. to me it's just that you know quality on the wing and maybe that number four center back to replace lover. Right. But if that's, that's a kid, that's fine. And but we're in good shape. We're in good shape. We, we do seem all right uh, at the moment, but is it, is it fair of those people who do ask the question of FSG and kind of, we, we see all the accounts, we get all these, 
we get all these uh, numbers of how well Liverpool's doing commercially. Is there any justice, I guess, or any, any right of the fans to ask for some of that to kind of show in a windfall of like transfer spending? Yeah. I don't know. A windfall of transfer spending. No, like we, <laughs> we don't need like this, this huge influx of cash. There's obviously the appropriate sweet spot to where obviously it's okay to say, I don't know. I don't think it's okay to look at somebody like Chelsea, who's in a completely different scenario and say, we need to spend 200 million. Cause if we look back a, a couple transfer seasons ago, spent big on verge, we spent big on Naby. We brought in Allison, like, huge, huge spending on the backs of Coutinho sale with spending. Like Chelsea was under a transfer ban. They had, they sold Azard for what, a hundred to 150 million. Mm -hmm. Like they also have oil money fueling it. So (laughs) like, if that's the type of like city spending is another thing, right? That's like, they already have the most stacked team in the world and they just consistently build on it. It was like even a normal city account. I saw that was, uh, who's the young, uh, Atletico player that they just signed for like 120 million or whatever, like a year ago. Oh, wait. Atletico, the, uh, Portuguese kid. Oh, Zhao, Zhao. Uh, yeah. Wait, why can't I remember his name? I don't know. He's one of the, <laughs> we we clearly haven't been in. Like... <laughs> What's wrong with me? Zhao Felix. Zhao Felix. Yeah. Yeah. Like why was that? That took me an hour. I swear to God, quarantine brain is a thing, and I oh, yeah. I'm dumber like <laughs> now. Well, it also shows that like if we struggle to remember who he is, didn't have that great of a season. He cost what like hundred twenty. He definitely did not. Things no. have not gone great for him since joining Atleti. Yeah, but th- it was the city account saying like, "Oh, yeah, I feel it. We'll sign him. Give him another year or two at Atletico, and then we'll sign him." It's like, what, is forty million Gabriel Jesus like not? filling that like backup striker need that you have right now. So (laughs) like that level, I'll never be okay with that level of just like, you know, FIFA spending. We're constantly going to just be spending uh, unlimited sums of money. And that's why some of that financial record that came out just painted a picture. Like these clubs aren't making money. Like there's a good point of say like FSG's investment, which is rare to say like they spent what 300 some odd million to buy it some odd years ago and yeah. now it's worth ultimately like one or two billion yeah like in that case yeah if you look at it from an investment standpoint you see i invested 300 million but it's so much more than that so right. knowing that you could add a 50 million ultimately if your goal is to make money then you sell it down the line but you got to balance this like what we have is really special and incredible with okay what are what are some gaps that may exist where are we thin how can we shore it up like if nobody's leaving, if everybody's good, the Tiago signing, that's just, that's like a Chelsea or a city signing, right? Sure. It's like, it would be a great signing, get a player of that quality for, you know, 20 some odd million, but it's, it's not needed, right? We don't need to go out and spend. Sure. And that's, that's what I think is so like, when I think about the Samika signing, it's clearly what happened <laughs> was, Hey, we need to stop playing James Milner as a backup left back. Like that was the conversation that (laughs) Klopp and Mike Edwards had. And within 
what, like six days of the season of the like window officially kind of opening or whatever. Like we had a backup left back. Like we, we, and we went through a whole thing of one player not working out. Um, Jamal Lewis, I think ends up now at Newcastle who are spending kind of weird sums of money on all sorts of players. Um, but anyways, um, I think it's obvious that when Klopp and the team identify a need and there's a feasible target out there, they go and get it. Like that's just how it's been. Um, And there's only been a few times that a target that they've had hasn't worked out. And in this case, you know, we've had, just a couple in recent memory, uh, but it's been for very different reasons. Like we identified Timo Werner as a, as a potential signing. Things were good. He was talking to Klopp, but then Klopp was like, you're not going to start when you get here. Yeah. And he was like, (laughs) okay, well then I'm not going to (laughs) come. I'll go to Chelsea for 300,000 a week. Yeah. And that's what he'll get paid. And he'll play a lot like um, and, you know, maybe maybe it'll be a great move for him. Maybe it won't. But at the end of the day, like I know that Liverpool aren't going to lose sleep over a player who didn't buy in to like what they were doing. So when these things are drawn out, like we talked about, um, it makes it more complicated. But I think FSG to their credit have shown that when there's a need and like, I think Liverpool more or less have like the autonomy to be able to say like, we have this need, we're going to spend this much money. Um, and now they have the commercial flexibility to actually say that without FSG needing to be like, okay, well how much, how big of a check am I about to write? Like, um, cause we've got the money to spend in terms of like the club is self-sufficient and all of that. So, um, and it's making money on its own. So I just, I just think like when, when they identify those needs, um, they go out and get, get their players. I think the one concern for fans is just like, you know, is it going to get too stale? Like, is it, is it going to like stop working at some point? Um, yeah. But and the only, the only thing that they could possibly say is, well, look what happened to Klopp at the end of his Dortmund run. Like, will it get stale? Will they, right. I think somebody said that during preseason or, you know, at the end of a historic season. So yeah. it's all garbage right now, but <laughs> no, like, and, and that's why I think like, if we needed Tiago, he'd probably already be done. Right. If right. we really needed Werner, yeah, that would have been over the line, yeah. but, but we don't. And that, that's a, that's a cool position to be in. Yeah, it sure is. And we'll close things out with the, uh, with a couple of social media. Well, we'll go heroes, uh, but <laughs> some, some villainy in the reaction to, uh, to some of it, but we'll start things out. Um, I mean, first we had more of an informational uh, kind of dump, but we had a little bit of a, a new appearance uh, from an account called the Swiss ramble on Twitter, um, which is where we got that info about <laughs> Liverpool's accounts and, and where their, uh, where their finances are at. Um, definitely one 
for the uh, the business nerds, I guess, the finance nerds. Um, but it was uh, interesting to see Liverpool's finances kind of laid bare in in such a straightforward way. Yeah, it was almost like what, like a what was it, like the WikiLeaks dump or something like that, <laughs> that we had to sort through all of this information. But I did love, there were so many villains that make themselves known, like seemingly normal journalist accounts that would openly post, I'm not going to read through this. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> that's literally, you have one job. Yeah. Like, you consume news, you provide news. But yeah, <laughs> yeah they, I, I've seen them come up before when... Um, uh, my friend uh, Sirkin, but he's got a protected account, so I won't I won't drop his name on here. Yeah, uh, although I could just drop his last name. I can't I can't ever see his <laughs> tweets, so I'm always so confused when you're having a conversation because I'm like, what's happening? Yeah. Like, I'll be honest, you're not missing out on much. He's not bringing much to the table, <laughs> but he has provided that because he's kind of like the finance nerd. Yeah, his other things too. So, I mean, it, it's enlightening to see like. That was my first inaction, reaction, too, was like, well, a lot of these FSG out people, like, they, they go about it the wrong way, but they, they kind of have a point, right? Like, this backs up this, you know, we're, we're selling to then buy, I think, to a certain extent. We just had such an influx of cash from some sales that we were able to do that. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, it was eye-opening, and then it also kind of opened the floodgates to all of this, like, well... You know, what's wrong with FSG, FSG out. I'm not really, I think we're pro FSG because we know of what life was like before. <laughs> yeah. But this idea of like ownership, like being something we're for or against, um, I think if we're like Liverpool, like socialist proud, we're not in favor of like any billionaires, right? right. So, <laughs> so be, have, the idea that this, and this is, you know, taking kind of center stage with, even like Liverpool is on the right side of this, but like clubs that pay barely. Oh yeah. That the living wage. Yeah. 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 Pieces like the living wage, Mm -hmm. like Liverpool have been on the wrong side, like increasing ticket prices, all this. And there's this wave of like ownership reflects the club. Mm -hmm. And and I just see them as like this entity. Yes. They're, they're owning it, but that's not the club, right? It's, it's this myriad of other things. So so uh, I, I don't know. I'm trying to get away from this pro or anti FSG to just kind of approach it like neutrally and, and we're okay right now. Right. So right. we don't need big spending. We don't want to be that club that has that, but others, <laughs> others haven't been. I think Mel, <laughs> Mel already kind of hit that in her, in yeah. her piece, which was very, maybe not insightful, but really straightforward and accurate in terms of, what life is like for journalists on. <laughs> on <Twitter. laughs> yeah. And, and Mel put herself out there, uh, as, as a, uh, as a hero just to stand in, in front of the hordes, uh, <laughs> like of, of, uh, Twitter abusers, I guess. Um, and the people <laughs> who are, who are most, uh, I guess eager to, to pull the trigger on some, just outlandish tweets um, and and absurd behavior for um, any human. I, I don't really understand the appeal of <laughs> of going out of your way to try to uh, I don't know ruin someone's day. I guess I'm not really sure, but um, but yeah, it was an interesting. It was an interesting uh, 
I guess, look at, at what they, <laughs> what they deal with. Um, and, and all of that, it was, it was kind of, I, I guess not shocking cause it, I guess we see it quite often. Um, yeah. but that really is the villainy of Twitter kind of just laid out, uh, where there is this just like kind of toxic undercurrent at all times. Yeah. And it, even God bless goal.com. <laughs> and this kind of sums up, sums up how I don't either how far we've come as football Twitter or how far we've fallen <laughs> with football Twitter. But I like, seriously, like when I started on Twitter, I think it was like 11 years ago with yeah. my just account that I started to try to keep up more with like the premier league and football like gold.com, I was like, hey, I'm kind of into this like quick news, but it was a terrible source. They and they still kind of <laughs> post like basically banter stuff or like rumors yeah. <laughs> that were completely off base. And now they're dropping, you know, exclusives with Messi. And right. you've got, you know, you've got Silky Sadio and you know, <laughs> Mystic Martial and all all these <laughs> other accounts that have just like bastardized what Twitter is, but it still (laughs) remains this incredible source of information. But I can't imagine still being like a big account on there and just having to deal with that, that level of delivery, a hero, a Twitter hero and all (laughs) (laughs) gold.com Twitter hero, like headline of 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Two reg ringers, Twitter hero. Yeah. (laughs) Themes. Yeah, and I, it, it was uh, the fact that Messi wore flip flops too to the interview. I was thinking about it. Like, if you're him, <laughs> if it's anybody, yeah. I might be showing up with flip flops. Especially if it's Goal.com, I'd yeah. be like, who? What billionaire paid for me to have to do this with Goal.com? <laughs> but I am. I, I, yeah, credit to him. I, I mean, I don't know that. I guess it, that they're like embodying the 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 glow up of social media where they can have a exclusive interview with the best the best player that ever lived um about you know staying at barcelona begrudgingly (laughs) gold.com well uh i think i think that's as good a place as any to uh, (laughs) to end this one it's a terrible place it's It's a a horrible place place. Uh, we are in a horrible place. Like we exist in a just awful reality. Um, and there's nothing that we can do about it. Um, Hey, is that better? After seven seasons, maybe we'll have our own glow up, but until then, like we're going to keep, we're going to be, you know, rep and goal. Yeah. Maybe we'll get an exclusive (laughs) on goal. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on goal or like with like messy or wait we're still waiting we're still waiting for that heineken whichever comes first yeah yeah heineken is that's the that's the goal that's how i'll know that we made it once we get that inbev money yeah that modelo group money then we'll be yeah if you've so. made it this far you need to at heineken on twitter and we need to get the campaign for sponsorship going they sponsor the Champions League already, so sponsor the Champions League of podcasts. <laughs> That's what, when I when I crack open a Heineken, I just I hear the song and I feel just Champions League quality, and that's you know 
that's what we've been bringing the good people of football Twitter for. We've been trying seven years now. Is is that technology we can we can work our way into where when you crack a Heineken, the Champions League anthem plays. The <laughs> that would be something Heineken actually would do. They need to do it. I yeah. would buy Heineken if they did that. Only if you get the mini keg, which <laughs> which was the content I was also providing. <laughs> yeah, that was that was fantastic. Well, if uh, if <laughs> if you've made it this far, then thank you for listening. Um, but but you can also find our podcast uh, on all the big platforms. If you haven't subscribed already, you can find it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and uh, you. If Heineken ever had a podcast platform, we'd also love to be on that if they go into multimedia. Um, but you can also find us on Twitter if you don't follow us already, <laughs> which I'm sure you do. But at Two Red Gringos for all the uh, hot takes and memes and all kinds of other dumb, dumb shit that is getting us through this this craziness. So that is 2020, but uh, a big season coming for Liverpool and one that we're both looking forward to immensely as Liverpool try to defend their Premier League title. Um, it is uh, sounds weird to even say, but until uh, until next time, adios. Adios.